Welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul. Welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where I'm always going to ask you to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Thank you for lending me your ear here for the next half hour or so. I want to talk about something that I think is very, very important. And this is a concern that unfortunately we have too often when parents are divorcing Sometimes they try and psychologically affect the children's opinion about the other spouse. In the law, this is called parental alienation. And this is nasty. And it's inappropriate. It's wrong. And it has consequences that are a lot deeper than just the perhaps immediate satisfaction of the one parent who then affects the children who don't want to see the other one and don't want to go over for visitation. Parental alienation is the process of one parent psychologically manipulating children against the other parent. There are consequences to this. If successful, this type of manipulation can complicate issues such as custody and visitation. It can also have serious negative results on the children's psychological and emotional welfare and effectively change their perceptions about the alienated parent. And we know that's wrong. Parental alienation that emerges in contested divorce cases during which one parent is attempting to get custody, as an example, is common, more common than you'd like to think perhaps as much as 15 or 20% of cases involve a parent trying to change the mind of their children who otherwise had a good impression of the other parent, trying to change it so that it's a negative impression. And the parents are doing this for their own purposes, to gain an advantage in custody or visitation. This is just absolutely wrong. Now, before a divorce or a custody battle, each parent has the right to see their children. This can change, of course, with situations where the, one of the parents is abusing the kids or criminal charges, or there are other dangers that a parent might present to a court to legitimately try to stop the other parent from seeing the children or having, uh, having them by themselves. Custody meetings and litigation then take place the lawsuit, the trial, and arrangements are then typically decided by a judge or by some mediation or uh, by agreement of the parents, depending upon, uh, you know, with the parents, uh, you know, how they're getting along, the level of animosity, if you will, between the parents. Always the best situation, of course, is when the parents can make an agreement that they, they both believe is in the best interests of their children, putting their own circumstances as secondary. This, again, is serious. The parents' rights to see their children 
can appear in a number of ways to interfere with custody arrangements, including having children testify against the alienated parent. Oh, come on, darling. You're going to go and tell the judge all about what daddy or mommy did. Children who are influenced by parental alienation are essentially brainwashed to dislike the other parent. They might be able to testify against that parent and ruin any chances of gaining custody. This is just simply wrong. Slander or lies can influence the alienated parent's character or reputation. And it's clear the younger the children are, the more influenced they're going to be by a parent who is constantly berating the other. It can involve feeding the children lies about the other parent. Uh, If the allegations are brought up in court uh, or confirmed by the influenced children, it could prove very detrimental to the alienated parent's character and influence that they may have with the lives of their children in the future. Children can also be placed in a dangerous situation. If the alienated parent convinces the kids that they're safe with them and not with the other one, when actually the contrary is true, and clearly this is psychological and emotional uh, uh, influence, it's possible that the alienated parent would be given custody. This could subject the children to any number of dangers, especially if the alienated parent abuses drugs or alcohol or doesn't provide optimal care for their kids. Now, the symptoms of parental alienation uh, can be seen in many ways. A parent can deny the other parent access. They can fill the kid's ear with hurtful lies, as I mentioned the Uh, just a moment ago. It's common after divorce, but more often it starts when the parent's relationship breaks down and the parents are then living apart. Uh, Again, estimates sometimes are as much as 20% of these cases involving children. It's concerning. The harmful effects can have on kids. It can be linked to anger problems, educational issues, eating disorders, depression. Some have even gone as far as to call parent parental alienation a threat to public health. Now, on the other side, shared parenting has been identified as the healthiest post-divorce arrangement for kids. I want to talk about what proof might be needed, what proof might be needed to allow for a court to understand that one parent is doing stuff that they shouldn't, trying to alienate, I guess is just the best word, uh, the children. The law is lacking in the United States. I'm going to talk about that when we come back after the break, what the law is in the United States. But it's important to keep in mind that you can utilize many different concepts to provide proof to a court that the other parent is trying to disenfranchise you from your children. First, get witnesses. Be sure to get and gather witnesses who can help testify in your favor if you are the subject of parental child alienation. If your children are exhibiting signs 
of being brainwashed against you by their other parent, it's likely that their teachers, daycare assistants, doctors, and other professionals who interact with them will have seen stuff, they will have witnessed symptoms. So you should speak with these people, explain your concerns, and don't be afraid to ask them if they would back you up in court. I have seen many of these cases. When interacting with potential witnesses, it is very important to leave your children out of the process as much as possible. You don't want to involve them in the legal proceedings and having them take sides, particularly if you strongly suspect that they're victims of this type of abuse. They're already experiencing emotional trauma from the alienation and they shouldn't be put in the middle of the conflict any more than they already are. I mean, let's face it, before mom and dad started having issues and problems, and before they physically separated, the children idolized both parents. Now their world is being changed. It's being thrown uh, into a whirlwind where one parent is bad-mouthing the other, and they, they don't understand that from their experience because... Again, the parent otherwise was loving, and now the other uh, mom or the other dad is saying, well, no, mommy is this or daddy is that. The children are emotionally being pulled at both ends, and they don't know what to believe, and this causes major problems. This has been proven. Um, If your lawyer, and you should have a lawyer here, suggests an interview or interrogation that could help expose the parental alienation, that's an option. But decide this at your own discretion to minimize harm to your children. The next way after witnesses in terms of gathering information that can help you prove up this information in a courtroom is to document everything. It plays a large role in in proving, I should say, what's going on in the absence of of real good concrete uh, tape recordings, as an example. And it's up to you to collect the necessary evidence. Emails, they speak for themselves. Send emails back and forth that suggest to your other spouse, why are you doing this? Um, Why are you criticizing me to the children? Wait for the response, see what happens. This, is good. this could be wonderful evidence to prove things. Text messages are similar. Keep text messages. They can be very powerful evidence in court. And even social media. If your spouse is bad-mouthing you on social media, uh, that can be used to your advantage. Anything that your ex posts on their social media is fair game to use as incriminating evidence against them. And you're also able to check your children's social media. So keep a journal. This is, again, part of the documentation. Write down the dates that the uh, other parent blocked your access to the child. Write down the situation and write down the excuse used. When you get to court, you can point to the specific dates and reasons in your journal to show the court where you tried to see your child. This allows the court to see habitual and continual excuses by the custodial parent. Now, also, this is, you know, maybe counterintuitive, but ask to see the child in writing. When you're trying to prove parental alienation, put down in text messages or emails that you want to see the child as agreed on this date at this time, 
and confirming the pickup arrangements. By sending the request in writing, you can avoid a he said, she said kind of a situation. Emails and text messages can help you catch your ex in a lie and help you show that they use the same repeated excuses for denying visitation. One of the other ways that that can be helpful, I guess is the best word, is to actually to seek counseling. Going to a therapist can help identify and end alienation, but it can also provide additional support if the case has to go to court. Showing that you took steps to improve the situation are going to strengthen your case, and inviting your ex to attend will give you an example that you are working to co-parent effectively. Even if your ex declines, that's a point in your favor. These things they're pervasive for children. They are detrimental, lifelong consequences. When we come back from the break, I want to talk about the current state of the law, and I want to talk about some results in some of these cases. Don't go too far away. We'll talk to you soon. Well, are your lips nice and juicy? Uh, you thought we were going to the break, didn't you? I'm going to share this with you because this is just so, <laughs> you figure it out for yourself what this is. I don't want to even describe it. This is uh, about a California woman, uh, woman who sued Fresh Inc., the manufacturer of sugar lip treatment lip balm. She uh, claimed that Fresh deceived consumers about the amount of the balm contained in its tubes of lip treatment. Her suit said that uh, consumers could only access about 75% of the lip balm in each tube. The remaining 25%, she claimed, remained at the bottom of the tube and couldn't be applied in the intended manner from the tube to the lips. Her lawsuit said that Fresh uh, was unjustly enriched by selling for 100%, but only providing realistically 75%. Uh, of of the lip balm in the tube. So the court dismisses the case, of course, and you can imagine uh, then this goofball woman appeals the case. Again, it's dismissed. This time, the Court of Appeals said that consumers could decide whether it was worth their while to dig out the remaining lip balm with a finger or a small tube. Oh my God, is there no end to what people want to sue you for? Well, okay, now we're going to go to the break. Okay, it's break time here on the merry-go-round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter? or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.thelegalmerrygoround.com. Again, that's thelegalmerrygoround.com and click on the referrals tab. Then either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. 
So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to the legalmerrygoround.com. And now, back to the show. I'm back. You know, that was a light tone, and this is a very serious session. This is a very serious show. I don't mean in any respect by saying the way I just said I'm back to suggest that this is frivolous or light or something not to be concerned with. We're talking about parental alienation. And this is a very, very serious concern in just too many uh, divorce and marriage split up situations where one parent is trying to psychologically manipulate the children so that they don't want to be around the other parent. Again, that's just, it's just absolutely wrong. We have a situation where we're going to talk about now the law. What is the law about this in the United States? Well, my friends, unfortunately, it's almost non-existent. There are very few states. In fact, I don't know of any except Puerto Rico that actually has a law outlining what parental alienation is and what the the consequences are if a parent is found to have tried to alienate their children from the other parent. Puerto Rico actually just passed this law this past summer. It is fantastic that there is the law. Allow me to share with you what this law says. It is called the Parent Alienation Child Protection It is now law in Puerto Rico, and the law identifies as abusive and injurious to the welfare of a child conduct that leads to the destruction of the child's emotional attachment to the other parent. It gives the court discretion to remove shared custody from a parent that obstructs the child's relationship with the other parent. It gives the judge power to order an evaluation if alienating conduct is identified. Now, this already exists in any judge's discretion, but it helps that a law on parent and alienation specifies it. There are consequences written into this law in Puerto Rico. A parent can lose custody if they're found to have alienated the child. When alienation is identified, The judge can order therapy, and the judge can monitor its progress. And finally, any parent that causes psychological damage to the child is obligated to pay the costs of reparative therapy. Canada has a law against this practice, as they should, as should every state in the United States. It's minimal at best. Some states pay more attention to it by review of the cases that have gone through. But again, I have not been able to find any state other than Puerto Rico, which actually sets out in their statutory scheme that this is illegal and inappropriate conduct. 
Now, that hasn't stopped courts all across our country from trying to prevent it or taking it into consideration. In fact, in the last few decades, there have been a couple of cases that demonstrate this. I know this is going back a ways, you know, almost uh, 30 years ago, but a case, Schultz versus Schultz, a case in Florida in 1991, a Florida judge ordered an alienating parent to cease speaking badly about the other parent. And what do you know? It prevented parental alienation. And, you know, that's like, wow. Um, that, that almost reminds me of protective orders where a judge says, don't go anywhere near this other person. And the people who are uh, told not to do that are hell-bent on, uh, on doing it anyway. But this is a case that was pretty well documented. It just took the judge saying, don't do that anymore, and, and it worked. Now, about 10 years later in Michigan, a divorced couple, Spensley, uh, case Spensley versus Spensley, a Michigan court found that both parents, ready for this? Both parents were guilty of parental alienation, and they were both working against the best interests of their children. Okay, drum roll, this is a great result. The court removed the children from both parents and charged them with crimes such as neglect and child abuse, put the kids into foster homes. Good for the, uh, the court, bad for the kids. Obviously, it would be better if they acted like, you know, uh, appropriate parents and looked at their interests as second and the kids' interests as first. Now, there is something that, that I want to share with all of you. In addition to trying to combat alienation within the home, many courts now recognize a, uh, a syndrome which has been given the initials PAS for parental alienation syndrome. And they, they talk about this as evidence of parental alienation or child abuse. PAS details specific symptoms in children that can result from parental alienation. It's not a psychologically diagnosable condition, but it is being recognized more and more across the United States. And when added to other evidence, it can greatly impact the court's decision regarding custody. Um, it's also likely that this syndrome and, and the symptoms that are associated with it will play a critical role in future parental alienation law, especially if it does eventually become a legitimate psychological illness. So, what can the courts do? What can the courts do? Uh, I shared with you the Michigan case where they took the kids away from both parents, but clearly if it's just one parent doing things they shouldn't do, the court can change the physical or legal custody of the child if they believe alienation is causing harm. So the practical advice is stop putting down the X, support the children's relationship with the ex. Tell them how wonderful the ex is. Tell them that the relationship between the parents and the breakdown of that relationship had nothing to do with the children and that both parents love the children. They love you, little Sally, little Bruce. They love you. We both love you and we both want the best for you. That is the ideal. And when that doesn't happen, when one or the other of the parents starts besmirching the reputation and lying and telling the kids 
things that aren't true about the other parent and making the children have negative thoughts about the other parent, that can have very serious and deleterious complications for the children throughout their lives, and it can remove children or restrict the access of those children to the parent who is saying all those negative things. Now, there is something as well called reunification therapy. It is, as you you know can imagine from the title, it's an effort to have the entire family sit together uh, with a trained counselor or therapist, uh, and it's often unfortunately mandated by courts, so that the effort is to try and get the family back together in an attempt, and not the marital relationship, but the harmony of two loving parents who are now separated or divorced uh, in a loving environment with the children. It's a therapy designed to counsel both the parents and the child or children to reunify the children with the alienating parents so that the children then have a positive view of that parent uh, who had been uh, um, spewed upon by the other. If you feel you're a victim of parental alienation, there are things you can do to fight back and demonstrate the parental alienation to the court. I went through those in the first half of this show. In closing, there there are a few things I want to share. More and more cases of this are occurring, um, and they're being documented. Parental alienation law, hopefully, likely, is going to become a reality in the United States over the next few decades. Until that time, uh, if you or your children are victims, use the existing laws in your state Find an experienced family law attorney who can help you document what I have uh, suggested in, in the first half. Document, document, document. Gather evidence, gather witnesses. Work closely with these witnesses and your attorney, and you can make your case to prove parental alienation. By doing so, you're going to be protecting your children's future as well as your future relationship with them. There is nothing more important in this world than family relationships. Goodness gracious, we're now going through a period where the entire world has basically stopped because of this COVID-19 pandemic. So who are you hanging out with these days? Your family. I sincerely hope that if and when you and your spouse find you're in a situation where the harmony that you expected when you said your I do's or when you uh, agreed to live together if you didn't get married or when you had children hoping to bring them into the world and, and make them better than you, I sincerely hope that if and when that relationship breaks down, you remember that the children are more important than you are. Best wishes to you. The legal merry-go-round. Avoid the downs savor the ups. This is still a relatively new podcast show for me, so I would very, very much appreciate and thank you in advance for giving me a review. Hopefully you're going to give me a good one. Give me ratings. Give me a five-star rating, please, if you've enjoyed this. And please subscribe. We'll talk to you the next time. Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. 
Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations. Thank you.